Hello and welcome to the Rocky Peak Young Adults Podcast. We meet Sunday nights at 7.30 at the church at Rocky Peak. For info on upcoming events, find us on Instagram at rpyoungadults. Enjoy the message. All right, yeah. Uh, that was my first time, like tonight was my first time seeing that that series bumper, and I thought it was pretty impressive, actually. I thought it was pretty clever. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of Friends, but I know that a lot of people, I know, it's so cool. If it makes up for it, my my wife loves it, but I, she tried, when we were dating, we, she tried to get me to watch it. I watched the first episode, and I was like, you know, just kind of telling her, like, yeah, it was good, but she totally knew, and we never watched another episode. Uh, she read me really well. Uh, so, are we doing well tonight, RPYA? Doing well? Good. Uh, so, my name is Andy. I am one of the pastors here at Rocky Peak. I'm one of the life group pastors. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm excited to be here to, to teach what God's put on my heart, to, to share with one of you, with all of you tonight. Uh, so, you guys have been in, in that series called Relationology for the last three weeks. Uh, and I know the first week that Kelly talked uh, about some dating mistakes that we can make. And then the, the week after that, Tim came in, our high school pastor, and, and talks about what it's like to be uh, dateable. And what it takes to be dateable. And then the last thing, uh, last week, Kelly came and talked about uh, some relationship myths. All right? And so just to catch you up, that's where you guys are at in this series. And if you missed any of those messages, uh, you can totally go on the RPYA podcast and and listen to them because they're they're really good. All right? Uh, So before, we're going to, tonight we're going to be looking at the core of relationships. What is at the center uh, of any good relationship? Uh, And so before we do that, let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for just the opportunity to be here together with one another, to hear from your word. And Lord, we enjoy the, the moments where we get to sit and rest and hear from what you have to say, Lord. And Lord, would you get all the glory tonight? And Holy Spirit, would you be piercing hearts? Would you be speaking to hearts? Would you take this message that I feel like you've given to me uh, and make it a million times better and a million times more specific to each and every person here? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I will be the first to tell you that I do not consider myself some sort of dating expert uh, or an expert on relationships in in the slightest. I don't have all the right answers. Uh, Honestly, I don't have a ton of experience in it. Uh, I dated in high school once. It failed miserably. Uh, And then once I came to a place of actively following Jesus later in high school and into my college years, uh, I dated one person. And she's now my wife. So so I guess at some level I have some sort of success. Uh, but I can promise you that wasn't of my own doing. That was very much just the Lord being very gracious to me uh, and leading me. Uh, and so what I feel like the Lord was, was asking me, was telling me to share tonight, uh, was one of the keys that God taught me uh, during my relationship with, my dating relationship with Jacqueline. So Jacqueline's my wife. Um, and so I feel like uh, I just get to share with you guys some of my experiences in, in dating and, and what the Lord's taught me in that. Uh, so the, the, this key that I'm going to share with you guys later, it, it, just, it has guided me in my decision-making. It guided me in my decision-making process while we were dating. 
Uh, and it's even carried on to since we've been married. It's, it's helped me make decisions uh, and to make decisions well. Uh, and I can honestly tell you that it seems to be working pretty effectively. Uh, honestly, and, and I can confidently say this, that Jacqueline and I have a truly amazing marriage. Uh, it's, it's been a, a two and a half years of, of just awesomeness. Uh, and it's been actually really, I know a lot of people say like the first few years of marriage are really difficult, but for us, it's been really incredible and it hasn't been difficult at all. Um, and again, that's not necessarily of my own doing. Uh, my wife's amazing. Uh, she does amazing things, but it's not even necessarily of her doing either. Uh, it, it really is a gift of God and, and he gets all the glory and he gets all the credit from it. Uh, but that being said, we're going to be in our Bibles in Luke 10. So you can open up your Bibles, you can turn your apps on uh, to Luke 10. And we're going to be starting in verse 38. Uh, so while you guys are getting there, I just want to say something really quick. Uh, when we're reading our Bibles, we often like go through these Bible reading plans. And we like read a whole bunch of scripture, like a chunk of scripture. And I'm this year I've been going through a Bible reading plan Uh that takes me through these chunks of scripture, but it's also, I think we take, t- we need to take time to slow down and really chew on these verses, you know, maybe only a few verses or one or two verses. Uh, it just helps to really slow down and really ask the Lord to, to speak. Um, so like I said, uh, verse 38, it's going to be a short passage, only like four verses. Uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through it one time. I'm going to read through it slowly. So as I'm reading through it slowly, just open up your Heart to receive what the Holy Spirit might want to say to you, and then I'm going to come back and kind of go through it a little bit. All right? So starting in verse 38 of Luke 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had to say. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I really love this passage. Like, it is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It speaks to my heart uh, and just my personality a lot. Uh, it never ceases to challenge me. Uh, and um, so often we, we read this passage, and it's we just kind of simplify it. We just say, okay, Martha did the bad thing. Mary did the good thing. Follow what, Martha, what Mary did, right? Uh, but it's actually more complicated than that. So if you go back, we're going to go back to verse 38. I'm going to read it again. Uh, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Uh, So who was the one who opened her home to Jesus and his disciples? Martha, right? Uh, And so what I want you to actually catch is that throughout this passage, 
Martha has a right heart. Where her heart is positioned, it's in a right spot. She, she really wants, she opens up her home to Jesus and to the disciples. Uh, so verse 39, uh, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So Martha wants to do the right thing. She wants to serve Jesus. She wants to serve his disciples. Uh, So she's probably thinking, uh, someone has to do the preparation, right? She's probably preparing dinner. She's invited them into her home. She feels like it's her duty to to prepare dinner for her guests, right? But she knows that there's a lot of them. Uh, She can't prepare it all by herself, so she needs some help. And so she goes to the leader in the room. She's like, Jesus, like, help, help sister out. Like, can you tell Mary to help me make some dinner for all of us? Uh, And then Jesus' response probably surprised her. Uh, When he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Uh, So another thing that I I want you to catch is, just as I was saying, like, Martha, Jesus never said to Martha that she's doing something that's wrong right? She's, he said that she's worried or upset, but he never said that you're doing something wrong. Uh, he, just, he just says that Mary has chosen what is better. Uh, what Martha was doing was probably good. I mean, making dinner for guests in your home, probably a, a good thing. Uh, but what Mary was doing by sitting at the Lord's feet of Jesus was the better choice. Uh, in our main service, our, our lead pastor, Michael, uh, he often... Uh, here at he says that the good is the enemy of the best. And this is a perfect example right here. Martha's doing something good by serving Jesus. Uh, she's doing, uh, trying to prepare dinner and serve him and love him and, and his disciples. But it was getting in the way of the best, which in that moment was to just sit at the Lord's feet. So that's our main passage for tonight. And you might be thinking, what the heck does that have to do with relationships? We'll get there. Uh, but this passage taught me the greatest key uh, on how to do relationships well. And that key is having intimacy with Jesus, which is your first villain if you do that. Uh, it's intimacy with Jesus. And by intimacy with Jesus, I mean having an extremely close, familiar, regular time of being him, being close to him, uh, having a deep, growing, vital relationship with him. Uh, It's been key to every good decision, like I said, I've ever made in dating and now in marriage. Uh, So, so often when it comes to following Jesus and in trying to make right decisions, uh, we try to be like Martha. We try to do everything. And and by doing everything, we think, okay, now now I've earned this, right? Uh, Our heart and our attentions are even good by doing these things. Uh, we, we want to love Jesus. We want to serve him. We go to church every weekend. We come to RPYA. We, we read our Bibles. We pray every day. We do a little devotional. Maybe we serve on a, on, a, on a team. We go to life group. We do all these things. We work, we work, we work as Martha worked. And they are all good things. And, and, but when our prayer requests get, don't get answered, we start to question God like, well, I'm doing all the right things. Things aren't going the right way. Why? 
Why aren't things going the right way? Why don't I seem to be able to, to break this habit? Why can't I stop looking at porn? Why can't I uh, find a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Why can't I ever feel like I get the, the good grades that I need to get? Why can't I ever feel like I can get a successful job or I can get, move forward in life? We ask why, 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 why? Uh, and I have a proposal to make to you that asking why is the wrong question. Instead of asking why, we need to be asking who. Because when we come to a confusing or difficult circumstance in our life, uh, we often ask God, like, why me? Why, why is this happening to me? Uh, we see people in Scripture ask this, in, in the Psalms, basically. But what's interesting is when you read that, God almost never answers why. There's a different question we get to ask, and it's, God, who do you want to be for me in this situation? Who are you in this situation for me? Because in the chaos, in the anxiety, he wants to be your peace. And in poverty, he wants to be your wealth. In your depression, he wants to be your joy. In your season of feeling lost and alone, he wants to be the one that comes alongside and whispers, I found you. You're mine. And I have a perfect plan for every part of your life. In your fear, he wants to be your courage. So stop asking why this is happening to me. And start asking God, who are you for me in this situation? And the only way you can hear him over all the noise of difficult circumstances is by stopping and by being with him, by coming and sitting at his feet, by spending more time with him. Don't just read your Bible plan and check it off and just, you know, never really actually get anything out of it. You're just reading through another book. But stop and think, okay, I'm spending time with God. Like, start asking him questions as you're reading your Bible. You might be surprised when he starts answering and and responding to you. Uh, So before I started dating anyone, uh, as a a believer, uh, there was a place where I felt like I was doing all of the right things, right? So I was trying to be the best person, the most dateable person I could possibly be. And, And so I listened to all the sermon series by all the famous pastors. I read a bunch of books. I read a bunch of articles. Uh, I asked older, more mature Christian men who did it right. I did all of these things, right? So I, I constantly did all these things. Uh, I made a commitment to myself that, like, I wouldn't be dating anyone until I stopped looking at porn. So I did that. So I did all of these things, right? Uh, and, and these are awesome things. Hear me out. These are awesome things. And I would say that we should do all of these things. But I realized I could do all of these things and not have a great relationship. I can. I could fail at dating even if I've done all these things. And I can guarantee you they did help me become a better Christian man. They did help me become more mature. But I was missing one key ingredient, and that was an intimate relationship with Jesus. A more intimate relationship so that I would be led by him, I'd be led by his spirit in the midst of a relationship. So when I realized this, I, I realized uh, that God, if that God does not go, be- if he does not go before me, 
in the midst of a relationship, then everything I've learned is useless. It's worthless. And it would all be for nothing. It brought me to a place of humility where one time I was praying and I was like, Lord, I don't, Jesus, I don't know if I can lead a relationship well. Like, I, I just don't know if I can. Uh, and I felt like I heard him say, that's okay. You don't need to. And I was like, what? Uh, like, are you saying, like, I don't need to lead a relationship because you want me to be single the rest of my life? And I was like, please, not that way. <laughs> um, but I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but I feel like if the Lord says something to me and I, like, come up with, like, a ridiculous response to him, he, like, totally ignores it and just, like, answers something differently. Um, so he ignored that. And basically, and, and so he ignored that. And I, don't know, I will never forget what he said next. Uh, he said, I'm going to lead your relationship. You will lead as I lead you. And so I tried to be like Martha by doing all these things, by preparing all of these things, uh, but I wasn't choosing the best thing. Right? So there's a time to prepare. Right? So there's a time for Martha. She had to make dinner, right? She, there, there is a time to prepare. But in that moment, the best thing was for her to sit at Jesus' feet. Someone's got to make dinner eventually, but the best thing in that moment was to sit at the Lord's feet. Uh, so eventually I learned, like Mary, that the greatest thing I could ever do was to have, it, to have a re- amazing relationship with someone was to be close to the Lord uh, and to keep my eyes fixed on him. So that wherever he goes, I go. Whatever he does, I do. Whatever he says, I say. And honestly, it takes the pressure off. The pressure isn't on me anymore. And I'm still learning how to do this. Jacqueline can attest to this. I'm still learning how to do this, and I'm trying to learn how to do it. And I hopefully get better and better at it each and every year. Uh, But I have learned quite a bit in attempting to to use this uh, as, like, the key to my relationship. And so... On your note sheet, there's, there's going to be three key specifics that I feel like intimacy with Jesus leads to. And, and so the first one is fear of the Lord. And that might sound like that's kind of weird. That, yeah, we'll get there. So I have to share a little story to, to kind of express what I'm getting at here. Uh, so Jacqueline and I had been dating a while, and, and we shared the I love you, we did all the cute things, right? So it was, it was a while, it was pretty far along into our relationship. And there was a moment that I had with the Lord where, so I was hanging out with Jacqueline, we said bye, you know, all the like, I don't want to leave, all that ridiculous stuff, but cute, <laughs> cute stuff. Um, and so she said like, I love you. And so we had already said I love you to each other. And so like, but she said it and it was like, Gave me all the warm fuzzies. I felt like loved. I felt cared for. You know, it was just an awesome feeling. But I was on the way home, so like it made me have all these like emotional reactions. And I was just talking and processing with the Lord about it. Uh, so I was in the car, and, and I was thanking the Lord for Jacqueline for the relationship that He had given us. Uh, and I and He said to me, very clearly to me, uh, this is one of the clearest times I feel like I've ever heard the Lord speak to me. Uh, he said, "You have my daughter's heart." And you better protect it. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, it stopped me dead in my tracks. Like, it almost knocked the wind out of me. And immediately, I felt the weight of the relationship. I felt the weight of leading someone 
in a relationship in that moment. I realized that this is God's beloved little girl. And he had entrusted me with her heart. To love and to protect her. To love and to protect her heart. And so if you're dating now, whoever you're dating, the Lord has at this point in time entrusted you with her heart, with his heart. And there needs to be a place where you have to have this fear of the Lord, that you are protecting someone's heart. The God of all creation, they're his little girl, his little boy, you're protecting their heart. And you need some level of fear of the Lord in that. There needs to be a place where you realize, okay, I've messed up. I need to go apologize to this person. Or maybe you feel like your heart hasn't been taken care of well, or you haven't taken care of someone well, right? That may lead to a breakup. But if that's what it needs to take for you to understand the weight of relationship, that might be what have to ha- has to happen. So this was one of those moments where, where God speaks to you and you're like, he is not joking around. So it's, it's heavy. And, and honestly, there was an honest level of fearing the Lord. Uh, and, and what did it do for me? It gave me a new perspective. So it gave me a new perspective on our relationship. Uh, this wasn't some game or just having fun. This just wasn't just some flippant things that we're doing. It brought a new level of respect and depth into the relationship. And I respected her in a new way. So when physical temptation would, once we were getting closer to marriage, when that physical temptation would come, and this thought was in the back of my mind. Those words were in the back of my mind. I knew that if, if we didn't successfully hold our boundaries, I wasn't protecting her heart. I retold Jacqueline this story this week, and she was like, yeah, don't forget it, too. And so I was like, she's totally going to use that against me in the future now. But it's all good. Uh, but if I were not in a place where I had this close relationship with the Lord, right? If I wasn't in a place where as soon as Jacqueline said, I love you, and I was talking about it because it made me feel all good with the Lord in the car on the way home. If I wasn't in that place close to the Lord, I may have never heard that. I may have never had that sort of uh, that revelation that the Lord gave me, and who knows what would have happened, right? But it gave me a deeper level of respect and understanding of the weight of relationship. And so we need to be close to the Lord so we can fear him properly, so we can then in turn respect the people we're in a relationship with. Uh, so think of it this way. Growing, say, imagine yourself growing up 500 years ago, right? So like medieval period, there's kings and queens still around, and you're just some poor peasant. So you're just a little poor peasant uh, working on the crops. And through some miraculous means of medieval bachelorette or something, you, you end up with the prince or princess of the king or queen in the area that you live in. So if you end up being matched up with a prince or princess, are you going to start playing with their heart? Are you going to start playing games? Heck no. If you do, you're probably going to get your head chopped off. And it's just not going to go well. But I say that jokingly, but there is a level of respect 
when you realize that you're dating the king, the king's daughter or the king's son. And that when we're dating, that's what we're doing. We're dating the king of all creation's son. We're dating the king of all creation's daughter. And it's not something to be taken lightly. And we need him at the center of it all for us to do it well. And we need to ask him about each step forward that we make. And when we're regularly in communication with God and we fear the Lord, it's going to lead to wisdom, which is your next fill-in. Wisdom. Because having intimacy with Jesus leads to supernatural wisdom. So not wisdom as the world sees it. But because there are because there are a lot of things that we as Christ followers do that seem idiotic or foolish or dumb to the world. Uh, I'll give you a quick example. Cohabitation, right? So living with someone before you get married. So totally normal in the world. Everyone would suggest that, hey, if you're going to get married, it's logical that you should live with them before to just trial run, see if it works out. Um, so when I was working and Jacqueline and I were dating and I was at AAA, um, yeah, <laughs> thanks, Kelly. Um, uh, yeah, it's, AAA's great. You don't have to go to the DMV. But um, so when I was working there and I don't work there anymore, praise the Lord. Um, yeah. Uh, so when I was working there and when these people found out, my coworkers found out that Jacqueline and I were not living together before we were married, like we were, we were engaged even, and we weren't living together, they totally thought I was crazy. Like, and it totally didn't even compute in their brain. Like, because they didn't grow up around Christians or anything. Like, it just didn't make sense to them. Like, why, why would you not do this, right? Um, and they honestly didn't know how to respond to the idea uh, of, of it. So that's just a, a quick, obvious example uh, of w- supernatural wisdom, wisdom that is different from the world. Uh, But when you're walking close to the Lord, uh, when you're letting him lead you in the relationship, you're going to be making wise choices or wiser choices at least. So I'm going to have you open up your Bible to James, actually. Just read a quick passage there. James 3, verses 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. By deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So wisdom from heaven is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, full of good fruit, impartial and sincere. Those sound like pretty good ingredients to a solid relationship, right? Yeah. So not jealousy, not selfish ambition, If you're thinking, what can I get out of this relationship? Then your thinking is, as the scripture says, it's earthly, unspiritual, even demonic. But if you're thinking, how can I give in this relationship? How can I be loving, considerate, submissive, 
uh, full of good fruit, full of mercy. If you're thinking that way in your, in your relationship, that is heavenly wisdom. And, and for everyone in every relationship, there are going to be certain things that are common in all of us as believers that are going to be part of our relationship that are wise choices. But there's also unique things in us because we're going to be dating people of different personalities that require us to make different wise choices, right? So you can create some level of like permanent boundaries. You can create some level of, of all of these things, but there's uniqueness to every single relationship and you need intimacy with the Lord and the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom to your unique situation and your unique relationship with whoever it is, right? And so once you have fear of the Lord, you have wisdom. Uh, The last thing that I, there's a million things that uh, intimacy with Jesus leads to in a relationship, but I only have time for three. So the last one is having intimacy with Jesus will lead to true love. So I know Kelly has touched on this a little bit. Uh, that true love is this agape love, right? It's this sacrificial love. And 100%, yes, amen, true love is sacrificial love. It's not some Disney happily ever after. Uh, true love is, is not the warm, fuzzy feelings you get, right? Uh, especially like... Yeah, all those feelings you get when the person you like is cuddling you, all, all those feelings, that is not true love. <laughs> true, Amen. No true love is the kind of love, true love is the kind of love where we put the other person above our feelings. And you, you want to see what true love is? Read the Gospels, right? Just look at what Jesus did. Look at his life. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm going to go to Matthew 26 and just read a quick little passage from Matthew 26. Verses 36 to 46. I'm just not going to read all of it. I'm just going to kind of skip over some stuff. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called, place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. I'm going to skip down to verse 38. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Down to 42. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. You want to see what true love is? It's right there. It's willing to say, Hey, Father, I know you want relationship with these people. And the only way to make that happen is what you're going to do. It's by having me go on that cross and die for their sins, right? He knew the pain. He knew the torture that was coming, but he was willing to give up his comfort. He was willing to give up everything, even his life. That is sacrificial, agape, true love. And if you've been in church for any extended period of time, you've heard the gospel story a million times. But it should never get old. It should never actually fall on deaf ears. Because the fact that God was willing 
to become man, to take on human flesh, to become part of his creation, is something that we will be looking into for all of eternity. The fact that he would be willing to die a brutal death for the penalty of sin that we deserved. The fact that Jesus laid down his life for us and then rose again in victory so that we too could have the hope of the resurrection. That is what true love looks like. And Paul tells husbands, actually in the book of Ephesians, he tells husbands to love their wives like Christ loved the church. And that means my calling as a husband is to lay down my life for my wife. And that goes the other way too, right? So it's also wives for husbands. And even in dating relationships, laying your life down, laying the good of what you want for the sake of the other person down. So if you want to show me If you were to show me two people that are in a relationship that are laying their lives down for one another, I can promise you, I can guarantee you that I will show you a successful relationship. It's going to be full of love and not only love, but true love. It's going to be full of true love. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. Um, But just to, to recap really quickly. The greatest key to having a successful relationship is by having intimacy with Jesus, by being close with the Lord, by having a regular rhythm of of coming before him and spending time with him, ready to, to hear from him in his word, ready to ask him questions, ready to talk to him. When you're in a relationship, to to ask the Lord wisdom and the next steps to be taking and how he wants your unique relationship to be taking steps forward. And by keeping him at the center of your relationship and, and by keeping and by being close to him, it will lead you to fear him in a healthy way. That you fear him and that also leads you to respect the person you're dating. So that you protect his or her heart. That you understand that their heart, the heart you are protecting, the heart you are caring for, is the heart of God's daughter or God's son. And having intimacy with the Lord will lead to to wisdom. Not earthly wisdom, but supernatural, spiritual, heavenly wisdom. That's full of pure, that's pure, loving, considerate, sincere, genuine. Full of good fruit. And then finally, the last thing uh, is that having that strong relationship, that nearness, that closeness with Jesus will lead you to true love. Where both the man and the woman in the relationship are willing to lay down their lives for one another. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for uh, just the opportunity to to be here and to to speak, Lord. And um, I just ask that you would seal the truth that you might have spoken to specific people here tonight. 
that the enemy would not be able to snatch it up. But that you would seal it, Lord. That Holy Spirit, you would seal it. You are our seal, Holy Spirit. You are our guarantee. And Lord, I just ask that we would be reliant on you. We would trust you. And we would would grow closer to you so that we can do relationships well. Not only dating relationships, but family relationships, uh, relationships with friends, Lord. That we would be able to do every single relationship in our life better because we have chosen to be near to you. And Lord, thank you for just the opportunity to come and uh, to be with you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's go ahead and stand and worship.